Good afternoon, everyone. It is April 30th, 2021. This is season two, episode six of the Welcome to the Jungle podcast with your host, Garrett Staples. Um, I'm up here in Mayfield uh, Heights, up here in the Cleveland, Ohio area. I I just said, man, I got to be close to the draft. I think I'm going to drive, go ahead and take a drive downtown. to the where the draft is actually taking place, uh, the NFL draft, in case you're living up under a rock, ladies and gentlemen. So once again, this is season two, episode six. Man, I got a lot to dive into. I guess I could say the Bengals are going to bangle. And they did what I, I, I was hoping they didn't do. They took a wide receiver in Jamar Chase, uh, Joe Burrow's, former teammate uh, that won a national championship with back in 2019. And Duke Tobin, Bengals Brass, Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn, Mike Brown, they decided to pine on the wide receiver. So it's a lot to react to. Uh, Some of the topics that I'm going to cover is just from round one of the NFL draft in Cleveland, Uh, the draft picks of the AFC North, Looking at the landscape of the AFC North and what the Bengals are competing against within the division, and then also just moving along into round two uh, today, this Friday, because, you know, the 29th round one happened uh, in Cleveland, 8 p.m. Tonight is rounds two and three, uh, 7 p.m. tonight, this uh, Friday in Cleveland, and then they'll wrap up with four through seven starting at noon in Cleveland uh, for the NFL draft. So like I said, we're going to touch on rounds two and three, and I'm going to give you kind of a a mock draft and where I think the Bengals should target, and it better be a damn offensive lineman, okay, since you you decide to pass on a generational uh, tackle, offensive tackle, and, and talent in Panay Sewell. So ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get ready to dive right in. So let's let's just start with it and go with the bang. The Bengals shocked a lot of, I'd say about half of the fan base who, you know, if you watched and you looked at different websites from Cincy Jungle uh, or Cincy Problems talking about the civil war between fans, who they wanted to take, uh, I think if you're if you're talking from a AFC North Division standpoint, you wanted Team Sewell, you were a part of Team Sewell because you understand that your starting franchise quarterback is coming off a catastrophic knee injury in Joe Burrow. And the key thing you have to do to keep this man upright, upright keep him healthy, and to keep him from becoming an Andrew Luck where he says, I'm just going to retire, or a Carson Palmer where he says, I'm going to sit out, is you got to build the offensive line in front of them. But the Bengals took another route. They went with Jamar Chase. Um, A lot of prognosticators, a lot of uh, different TV entities from ESPN uh, to NFL Network, they went ahead and they went Panay Sewell. And then the rest, if you, you took a look at it, it was just trending towards Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase is the pick from LSU. And... I love the talent. I, everybody, nobody can knock the talent of Jamar Chase. Bleacher Report gave um, the Bengals an F grade for this pick, which I totally understand because if sometimes they say you should go by on your draft board 
the best player available or the need or does the need supersede the best player available and in this case and in this instance with your starting quarterback coming off a catastrophic knee injury we saw what happened with Carson Palmer to the point where he never regained that mobility in the knee and he was never never able to really move around in the pocket and he was gun shy I think when when you when he didn't have a clean pocket to where he might throw high because he just want, doesn't want to take that hit or he doesn't want to step into that throw where I remember Tim McGee mentioning that, mentioning that, and we don't know what Joe Burrow is going to look like day one. So you want to keep the cleanest pocket in front of him. And Panay Sewell, to me, was just the pick. But the Bengals went another route and went Jamar Chase. So Jamar Chase, we know he's physical at the line of scrimmage. He's able to get off of press coverage. He's able to create man uh, create separation and man coverage. He is a, a, a nightmare, but my concern is every, everyone around in the AFC North division, they weren't sitting on their thumbs and their P's and Q's. They updated their defensive line. Okay, they upgraded it. So you look at the Browns now, like I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, you look at what the landscape is like of the Cleveland Browns, they put a Jadavian Clowney on one side as a bookend defensive end to go and to compliment Miles Garrett. So now you can't double team Miles Garrett and, and, and just think that you don't have Jadavian Clowney coming off on the other side. So that was masterful. And it just goes to show you the priority of the rest of the division as far as how they want to be. They want to build and bolster their offensive and defensive lines to be elite, to be dominant, to compete perennially within the AFC North division. Because this is a black and blue, roll your sleeves up kind of division that we play in. And with cold weather, hell, it, we're we're in springtime right now. I drove up from Columbus last night. It's 61 degrees in Columbus right now. We're in the 40s right now in Cleveland. So that shows you what kind of division we play in. And we're going right into May right now. And the weather is still the way it is. So you can imagine what it is in the wintertime where it comes down to you can't throw the ball 40 and 50 times in cold weather and snow, rain, ice. I, I, I hate to say it, but I come from a lineman standpoint. I played football. Those, those are the positions when you go into a opposing team stadium and you look at how they are built, the intimidation factor. When you see a big offensive line with physicality and ferocious just hitting before the uh, the ball is even snapped in warm-ups and you see their defensive line that trends the same way, that is a tone setter. That is a statement. That is why I wanted Panay Sewell as this pick. But being that the Bengals, they went with the wide receiver, which I felt like you could have came back in the second round. You could have taken a Terrace Marshall, who if you look at the comps, this kid is large as Terrace Marshall. He's 6'3", okay? Uh, uh, a bigger catch radius. You know, he he's missed a couple catches here and there, but he's overall the larger player. And in this division, which is always about physicality to me, physicality to me I always like the larger player. But Jamar Chase is the pick for round one, okay? So like I said, this is what we're dealing with. And just moving right along, because I, I wanted to touch on 
what the rest of the division is doing and what they did last night in the first round. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went ahead and took the the uh, running back to replace Connor and Najee Harris from Alabama. As we saw, you know, I'm Ohio State Buckeyes fan. I'm down there in Columbus. I had the uh, the the painful. I I I'll say it was it was just painful. It hurts me to even say it. To watch Najee Harris to catch out the backfield, to run all over my Buckeyes, and that hurt. It definitely hurt. And now you're giving Big Ben that running game that he so much needed later on in his career to that he can kind of, and the rest of the Steelers can lean on and get back to Steelers football, which is pound it and then play action off of that with Big Ben. So they're getting back to their old principles in Pittsburgh. Moving right along to Cleveland. Cleveland, if we look at their roster, they have between free agency and the draft, they have addressed their offensive line uh, to protect Baker up front. Their defensive line, they have bolstered that. I mentioned the Jadavian Clowney signing. And now they come back and they draft Greg Newsom, the cornerback out of Northwestern. A long guy. He played down there at IMG down there in Florida. He was a basketball guy, so he's an athletic, long, lean guy who can play on the outside and play press coverage. So this was definitely a great draft pick for the Browns. And then moving right along, the Ravens, uh, Ozzie Newsome, he, the Hall of Fame player for the Browns that's retired, and he, he will be a Hall of Fame general manager for the Ravens. He retired. But Eric DaCosta, like they say, the apples don't fall too far from a tree. He knows how to draft in Baltimore. Look what Baltimore did. They got great value. They needed a wide receiver. It was trending that way for Minnesota, and they were able to draft Rashad Bateman. I think he has a great upside. He can get away from coverage and an elite route runner. You got him later on towards the end of the first round where his grade might have been probably about mid-first round, so you got some value there in Rashad Bateman. I remember he's a four-star out of Georgia, and the one thing that I do really respect about some of these kids down south that are willing to travel up north. If you play outdoors in Minnesota, if you won't have an issue playing anywhere else in the NFL, especially in the AFC North Division in this cold weather, he will not have the alligator arms or have it. He doesn't show any fear of going across the middle. So that's a mentality. You know, it's, it's different playing in football weather, 60, 70, 80 degrees all year long versus playing in the cold and dead of winter up north above the Mason-Dixon line. So kudos to the Ravens for another great pick, Rashad Bateman. And then what do the Ravens do? What do I always say? In this conference, in this division, especially the AFC North, it's about offensive line and defensive line play. And the Ravens, you know, they had two picks in the first round, and they're going to address it. They come back with Jason Awu out of Penn State. A freakish athlete, about 6'5". You can use him, especially in that Don Wink Martindale defense that they run. of Kind of like a 3-4 hybrid defense. They want those guys that are kind of like a linebacker uh, mixture defensive end that may be just not a 4-3 hand-in-the-ground uh, three-point stance defensive end, but a guy they can use as a, high, as a hybrid linebacker and defensive end 
who can pass rush and get to the quarterback. He need, He's a little raw. He needs a little bit of uh, coaching up as far as his his pass rushing moves from anywhere from the the, the bull uh, bull rush to the swim move uh, and, and just developing those other pass rushing moves to basically complement just the raw speed and athleticism to just beat you with the first step getting to the quarterback, which you can get away with in college, but you've got to develop some counter moves with these elite NFL offensive linemen in the pros. Okay, so moving right along, the Ravens, the, the Ravens are going to do what they do. They're going to kill it in the draft. That is part one of season two, episode six, and I'll be right back and we will address what the Bengals need to do in rounds two and rounds three of the NFL draft. Season two, episode six, part two of the Welcome to the Jungle podcast. This is Garrett, and I'm back with you guys, and we're going to finish up this second half of the uh, podcast for episode six, uh, season two. Ladies and gents, I just wanted to bring to your attention, I, I saw this, I was taking a look at uh, ESPN, Dan Orlowski's at the NFL Draft in Cleveland, and the question was raised, who will be more successful, and we're just talking quarterbacks in general, right? So if the question is, Mac Jones going to the Patriots or the Bears uh, drafting Justin Fields, who's in the best, better situation? And... Dan Orlovsky clarified this and made it clear very quickly, clear and concise. He said, I got to go Mac Jones just for the simple fact. New England has a great offensive line in front of him where he has the time to where he doesn't have to press. He doesn't have to worry about defenders coming at him. He can sit in the pocket, survey, and distribute the ball to where it needs to go without pressing because of defensive pressure in the quarterback's face, which Fields is going to have to face with the Bears. So that just goes right in line and right in tune with what I'm going to move on to next. And that is what the Bengals should do in rounds two and rounds three. It's called protection. Okay, you went to, you went to wide receiver Jamar Chase uh, in round one. So to me, it's malpractice if you don't address this offensive line because even though you signed Riley Reef from the Vikings in free agency at tackle and you're pairing him with, with Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams has not played a full season yet since he's been in Cincinnati, since he's been drafted out of Alabama. You have your center, Trey Hopkins, coming off of ACL surgery. So we have Quentin Spain at one uh, guard position. Um, I think the other guard position, Xavier Suofilo, to me, that can be definitely upgraded. Uh, he's a guy who was hurt. Uh, the Bengals brought over in free agency from the Cowboys. I don't know if that's the answer because the Bengals per pro football focus had the worst guard play within the NFL. So let's go ahead and we'll, we'll go over the draft order right now. So for round two, the Bengals have ahead of them the Jaguars at 33, the Jets at 34, the Falcons at 35, and the Dolphins at 36, 
followed by the Eagles at 37, and then the Bengals draft 38, respectively. So you got one, two, three, four, five. You got five teams ahead of you. So rounds two and three, the Bengals are going to draft relatively uh, quick. And moving right along in round three, the Jaguars once again at 65, the Vikings at 66, the Texans at 67, and the Falcons at 68, followed by, respectively, the Bengals at 69, drafting in that position point. So, I mentioned about Orlovsky and offensive line and protection, and then I also just want, just want to put this out here once again, because I, I have the, the mentality of a lineman. I understand that is what keeps you consistent within this league, especially within the AFC North division. Why the Ravens and Steelers have had prolonged uh, success within the division is because of offensive line, defensive line play, which they, they, they harp on. That's what they focus on. They emphasize, and that's how they draft, a big physical team year after year. So I'm just taking a look, and I just wanted to put something in Bengals' minds and let it just marinate and see what you think about it. And Don't let me answer it. Answer it for yourselves. The way the Bengals' offensive line is constructed right now, do you feel they can hold up at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage against the Browns' defensive line, the Ravens' defensive line, and the Steelers' defensive line? And does the film tell you, especially against the Ravens and Steelers, that this team is ready to compete and move up from the basement at four within this division, the way this offensive line is constructed? I just want you to think about that for a moment. I'll give you a second. One, two, three, four, five. Y'all right? Think about that. Answer that in your minds. All right. So let's go ahead and let's talk offensive linemen that are available in rounds two and three. Uh, for the Bengals. So some names I like. So we're talking offensive linemen, uh, a center guard out of Alabama, Landon Dickerson. We saw what he did in the uh, playoffs all year long, consistent saving. He has big physical linemen. Uh, and I think this, is a, this would be a good pick. Landon Dickerson, he covers two positions that are need. Center with Trey Hopkins, because I mentioned he's coming off the ACL surgery. And then guard, because why? The Bengals have had some of the worst guard play in the league per pro, per, per pro football focus, okay? If you want to go tackle, which I think is, is necessary just because of the durability issues of a um, Jonah Williams, Sam Cosmi out of uh, offensive tackle out of Texas, that's a name to keep in mind. Um, if we want to go the center route again, Creed Humphrey, center out of Oklahoma. And then Tevin Jenkins, I think playing in the Big 12 Conference and as much as the Bengals passed last year and got pass happy in this offense because their running game was non-existent because the, the offensive line could not open holes, it just went back to a, a drop back Joe 40 and 50 times a game. If, if I mean, I understand the league has changed to a passing league, but you still need balance in the run game. I, I still I like this tackle, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Okay, that's a name to keep in mind. Quinn Miners, since, uh, center out of Wisconsin, Whitewater. That's another great name, uh, just a technician. He's another guy where I think 
unless it's an offensive tackle, you really value guys who can play multiple positions. And here's another one with Quinn Miners, a great guy. Uh, he uproots, and I was reading some of his uh, bio and what the reviews uh, down there at the Senior Bowl. He 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 is a technician. He uproots defensive tackles and pancakes them and puts them on their backsides and, and gets them and wins the lines uh, of scrimmage, and he is a road grader and moves people off the ball. And that's what you need in your center and your guard, a nasty guy with a mean streak and Quinn Miners. And I'm going to mention some guys that are from the Midwest area that I got a chance to see a lot of, and I think very highly, and I, I think in this division they, they just fit, and they fit the need that the Bengals would need. And I remember a couple of them, for example, is Liam Eichenberg. He's a guy out of the Cincinnati area. I wanted Ohio State to be able to land, going back to being a Buckeye. So I, I know he was a high offensive lineman recruit, and he ended up going with Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly was at University of Cincinnati before, before he defected to uh, Notre Dame, and he was able to land him in recruiting at Notre Dame. And so Liam Eikenberg is a, a great offensive tackle out of Notre Dame that I think would be a, a great plug-and-play guy for the Bengals. Uh, Center-wise, Josh Myers, he's another guy, a multiple-value guy where he can play the guard and center position out of Ohio State. He's a center. Wyatt Davis at guard for Ohio State, he's another guy. He plays guard, but I think he has the potential. You can move him all across the line from great value, from the tackle position to the guard position to the center position. And then here's a name that will forever go down right before Urban Meyer uh, retired and stepped down from Ohio State. And where Dabo Sweeney, I call him the, the, the old snake oil used carsman, he used uh, Urban Meyer's health against him, basically saying, you know, he had the arachnoid cysts, he's having the headaches, he won't coach again, and, he, you know, he might drop dead of a heart attack. Very classless what Dabo did. But Jackson Carmen, he's from the Fairfield High School. He's from the Cincinnati, greater Cincinnati area. He's a great plug-and-play guy as well where he can play offensive tackle where he played tackle at Clemson, but he also has great value where I think you can slide him inside at the guard position. All right? And I tell you what, honestly, for me to sleep well at night tonight after rounds two and three here in Cleveland, I would honestly go with both picks offensive line. But just in case, because the defensive line, both lines need to be bolstered in Cincinnati. Both of them need TLC, as I call it, tendon, love, and care. They need to continually upgrade both uh, lines with youth. Let's go over to the defensive line, and let's take a look at some uh, prospects. I'm looking at a guy by the name of Ronnie Perkins, a defensive end out of Oklahoma. Just a guy who is just a pass rush specialist getting to the quarterback, and then let's move on to Joseph outside, just a workout warrior, a freak athlete out of edge rusher, another defensive end out of Texas, kind of one of those maybe more hybrid guys that Texas has produced uh, that can play maybe like almost with Luan around him. Maybe you want to go from a 4-3 to a 3-4 scheme and switch it up uh, and move him around and just make him a, a premier pass rusher. Or a true three technique that we saw in Alabama that just, it hurts me to say this, dominated my Ohio State Buckeyes up front in the national championship game. And that would be <clears throat> Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore. 
just just he was a stud. Now you only get really a one year of tape on him, just being he had to sit by like the Quentin behind the Quentin Nelsons because Alabama stockpiles and they value offensive linemen and defensive linemen, and he had to wait his turn at Alabama. And then you have uh, the linebacker, just in case you really want to bolster the linebacker core, uh, Jeremiah Owusu out of Notre Dame, okay? So that's a, another name to keep in mind. I, I don't want to tear his name up, but I believe that's uh, Owusu. And then we're also talking about a defensive tackle out of Washington. His name is Levi Onawuzuku, a defensive tackle out of Washington, uh, just a, a run stopper who can also really get pressure on the quarterback. Normally, you, you can't do both. But from what I'm hearing and his reviews, his draft board on the draft board and the reviews for this guy, it's, it's off the charts. And I like Jay Tuafele out of USC. Just another, you know, if you think about the Ravens and their success, Haloti Nada getting him, I believe he came out of Oregon. I don't know what it is about that. That Samoan descent, they just, man, they're just true warriors, tough. I mean, you even go back to you thinking about Troy Palomalu, who played for, <clears throat> that played for the Steelers. I mean, he was just a, a, just a warrior and just a guy that played all over the field on the back end for the Steelers and just wreaked havoc uh, for Carson Palmer. And that was his old roommate back at USC. So those are some some names to keep in mind. So, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about the NFL draft. We talk about front offices that are successful in building teams. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel like quarterback is a quarterback is a hard position to know if a, a guy will translate to the NFL and, and to the pros and be successful. But these rounds two through seven, to me, this is what grades and evaluates your front office, your general manager, or our de facto gym man, uh, general manager in Duke Tobin. Rounds two through seven, starting tonight, is how you judge your draft and how you judge your team. This is how you build your team to be successful for years to come. In these these later rounds, in round two, you still getting you're still getting round one talent in round two, and the guy may have slipped for whatever reason. So these are the 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 rounds. The Bengals two and three tonight. They cannot miss on you either. To me, you go offensive uh, guard and or center or a combination that can play offensive guard and center, or you go offensive tackle with round two, and you get protection for Joe Burrow up front. That is, that has to be the priority. I don't want to see a situation of Andrew Luck to where he took so many hits that A, I mean, you have to keep in mind, Joe's father is a coach. If he sees that this front office is not putting the right offensive line to protect him, he may say to Joe, son, I think you might want to sit out.